It's good to see you guys today. Very, very, very warm welcome uh, in an air-conditioned place, which is always good uh, <laughs> uh, when it's as hot as it is outside. Um, and looking, looking cheery, some of the City fans anyway. <laughs> oh dear. Right, we won't get into that. So, um, as far as we're looking at, we started a, my name's Christian, for those that don't know me, um, and uh, we started a series on faith last week, which we are going to continue this week. We looked at how um, oftentimes we are just called by God to protect our faith, to guard it, where Jesus is saying a lot of the time, where is your faith? Or when he said, um, when the, the man he said, help me in my unbelief, I believe, help me in my unbelief, he was basically saying, I do believe, but I'm struggling to believe fully. And Jesus was saying, look, I'll meet you where you're at. And, just, and he just asks him to guard his faith. There's, there's a sense of just guarding something that's as precious as gold, as precious, well, more precious than gold, in, in guarding our faith. Because uh, guarding our faith means guarding our understanding of just how much God cares, just how much he's really for us, just how much he actually desires us. And so it's really, really important. And before we go any further, we start back there because life is messy, isn't it? Sometimes it doesn't always work out the way we want it to. But faith is an important message. And we need to really understand where we're going as we continue this journey. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start at this particular point in the book of Genesis. And we're going to have a look at a few verses in chapter 12 and in chapter 15. Um, so this is before Abraham becomes Abraham. And it's when he's just called Abraham. And he says the following. So, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And if we fast forward to chapter 15, God shows up again. He says, he, the Lord, took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So I have this story that starts off way back in Genesis 12 and then 15. And nothing's happening really for um, Abraham or Abraham at this particular point, he's got no children and it looks like he's not going to have any children. And he's made this promise by God and, and obviously he's meeting God, so he's going to get excited. I would get excited. This is great news. This is really, really great news. Every single day he's waited for his life to change the way God promised it would. But every single day, nothing changes. Every single day, life just carries on as he always has. Yeah, Abraham gets out of bed, he gets dressed, he messes around with the cattle at work, because I would imagine that would be pretty smelly work, and he gets hot, he gets home, he has a shower, if he had a shower in them days. Um, he eats, he goes to bed, and he, it, another day passes, and another day passes, and another day passes, and nothing changes, and nothing seems to happen. You're going to get a bit fed up after this, going on and on and on, I would imagine. And so he remembers his promise, count the stars if you're able. Yeah, okay, I'll count the stars. And he, and he gets excited again. 
but things are going to change. Things are going to make a difference, but nothing still happens. Day after day, week after week, year after year, nothing changes. And he gets more tired, and he gets older, and more time passes. And each day is filled with a little bit more emptiness and a little bit more pain. And then at 99, 99, Abraham has another encounter with God and another reminder of the promise. And at this point, it probably feels a little bit ridiculous. So much so that he actually laughs in God's face, which isn't a nice thing to do, probably. But there we are. He's tired, he's disappointed, but there's still an inkling that maybe, just maybe, God is going to do something. Maybe, maybe God is going to change things around. He's promised him a child. He's promised him a nation, in fact, will come from him. And yet, at this particular point, he's still without child. What we're looking at today is faith is in the waiting now, faith is a concept we talk about a lot of the time without a true understanding. We tried to start that last week. But faith isn't something that just happens and all of a sudden it's there in front of us. The story about Abraham is a wonderful example of faith. It's a wonderful example because it's very, very easy to flick through the pages of the Bible and say, Abraham believed God and Isaac was born and miss out 25 years of very important a very important part of his life. You with me? Abraham didn't believe in God and then Isaac was born. That didn't happen like that. Or nine months later, there was a baby born. I know it takes nine months. I'm understanding that bit. The program, I did learn that after a while. So, so it didn't happen. It didn't happen. You would be excused to think it would, but it didn't happen straight away. It took 25 years, 25 important years. And sometimes I feel we can reduce our faith to a quick fix. Sometimes I think we can reduce our faith to a, a point where we go, do you know what, I believe and it's going to happen straight away. I believe and it's going to fall from the sky and everything's going to sort out. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It's not an instantaneous fix to my problems. It's not an instantaneous fix. It doesn't, God doesn't just solve everything like this every single time. And if he did, there'd be no need for faith, interestingly. Hebrews 11 verse 1 puts it like this. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. So faith is this conviction. It's this inner feeling, this inner trust that what we can't see with the natural eye is still reality. All right? It's actually a confidence that although I can't see it, it's still true. Although I can't see that. And, and so faith is required Faith is required when I see nothing happen. Faith is required when I see no change. Faith is required when I don't see what God has promised. Faith is required when I don't see what I'm expecting to see from him. Faith is required between the time when the prayer is prayed and I get my answer in the natural. Does that make sense? It's between that bit and that bit there. If it happened instantaneously all the time, then all we'd be doing is living in a world... Are we, Sang a wonderful song, he's the God of miracles, but if you knew the story behind it, you'd know a lot more. That was written after the people that wrote that story, in fact, I will tell you this, the people that wrote the story lost their baby. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. The baby was born, born very ill, and they prayed and prayed and prayed. The baby still died, and that song came out of that horror and that, that heartbreak that they would still believe, regardless of what just happened. I'm still going to hold on to this as my God of miracles. This is still God. So we can go, he's a God of miracles. 
And they, 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 they wrote that out of a heartbreak. They wrote that song because they were hurting so much, but they were still going to hold strong to who God was. Does that make sense? Do you believe that God is that God? Yeah, good, because he is. But we all have faith, and it's not the fact that, oh, yeah, I have faith, that's great. It's how we use it that affects our lives, okay? It's how we actually channel it, if you like, and how we bring it into being. Because everything in God's kingdom is accessed by faith. Everything. Every promise, every every blessing, limitless grace, limitless peace, joy, victorious living, all of things that God has got for us, all that Christ has won for us on the cross is all accessed by faith. And if we didn't believe, then we wouldn't be accessing those things. That's how Abraham believed. That's how Abraham lived his life, really. And it's so easy to think that because our prayers or our promises are not answered immediately, we've not got enough faith. And that couldn't be further from the truth. It's not about that. We always, always, always want quick results. But the kingdom of God has a very different timescale to us and our very rushed timetables. And it is very important that we understand that. There's a story in Joshua, um, around about chapter 4, I think, where they're crossing the Jordan um, near Jericho. And it's in flood. The waters are in flood at that time of year. And so uh, God speaks to Joshua. I nearly called him Josh then. God is, he speaks to Josh. And, um, and he says, oh, Josh, uh, get, get, get the priests with the Ark of the Covenant and um, just, just, just get them to start walking into the river. That's fine. And, and what will happen is I'll dry the river up and you, the whole nation then can just cross over on dry, a dry riverbed. Which sounds great. So if you actually read the story, it's very easy to flip. You know, you can read the Bible really fast. You do that. You think, I better do my Bible study. And you can read it that fast. And you can just go, oh, look at that. And God did it and, it, and, they, and they went over and everyone waved and it was wonderful. But it says in the Bible that all the waters went upstream, all the waters were held upstream by the town of Adam, I think it's called. Which if you do research, it's 20 miles away. So 20 miles away, God stops the river. The minute that the priests with the Ark of the Covenant put their feet down on the river, God goes, brilliant, you've done it. And he stops the river 20 miles upstream. Now, if you do your maths, right? Sorry, I've got to bring maths into it. If you do your maths, that means that the priests were in the river for four hours still with the river just going past them like this. As, as however deep they decided to go in, going, are you sure, Joshua, that you heard him? Because it's still going on again and again and again. Nothing's changed. As far as they can see, nothing's changed. It took four hours before they actually saw in the natural that something had changed. But God moved immediately. That's faith. Faith is God moving in the supernatural, spiritually moving. We we don't quite see it straight away. And it's the thing inside of us that says he's still moving. He's still doing something. He's still actually changing things. We just haven't quite seen it yet. They had to wait for about four hours. I hope you only have to wait four hours for whatever you believe in. That's great. Abraham's had 25 years. I hope you have to wait that long. But that's the whole way it works. And that is very, very important. We understand that. Abraham trusted in who God is. 
And he kept reminding himself every single moment of the day and night of God's promise. He lived in the desert area, so he saw sand every day. That's how many my, my descendants will be. At night time, there's no light pollution where he lived, I don't think. Cities hadn't really been <laughs> created at that point. So he would have seen a lot of stars, yeah. So he's going, that's my So every day, every night, reminder, 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 that's, the God's, that's God's promise. That's God's promise. That's God's promise. You, you couldn't really escape him. And throughout the 25 years, he would have had a lot of conversations with God. God kept showing up again and again and again, reminding him of what he was doing. Romans 10, as we talked about this last week, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So constantly going back to the word, constantly going back to what God was speaking to him about, constantly hearing God's voice. Because we need to do that on our own level, personally. There's constant exposure to God's word through listening to his voice stops us getting disheartened when things don't work out immediately. Yep. Because what we see with our natural eyes isn't necessarily reality. And we need to remember that we've got the word of God that shows us what reality really is. Faith in us grows by prayer and exposure. And it's a connection to God, soaking in his presence. When we worship today, faith inspired inside of you. Faith grew. Faith moved inside of you. And you were reaching out and you were connecting with God. You were experiencing something. You were soaking in the presence of God. That helps us stay alive. It helps our faith stay alive. It moves. And that certainly is when all can look bleak around us. And it's not the only part of faith that is important in all of this. In Hebrews 6, verse 12, it says, Faith and perseverance. It is by faith and perseverance that we inherit the promises. I.e., believe and keep on believing. Trust and keep on trusting. Persevere and hold on and keep on holding on. So how on earth are we to persevere when it's that rubbish, when things can be rubbish and you're not seeing any change? Well, in Matthew 14, and we're not going to go through it on the screen, you're just going to have to trust me that it's there. Trust, have faith that this is really in the Bible. See, there you are, your faith in action. Either that or some of you are looking up in the Bible now to make sure it's true. But there we are. But this is the account of Jesus walking on water, right? I'm guessing some of you know him. And Jesus is there, and he's doing his thing, and he's walking on water, and Peter sees it, and he gets inspired. He's like, man, I want to do that. I want to try that. That looks pretty good, okay? If you ever want to try that, then be very, very careful. But this is a storm, you see, and he, and he goes out, and he actually does it. He actually walks on water for a bit which is pretty cool. Jesus has come to me, and, and as Peter is going towards Jesus, he's got his eyes fixed on Jesus, he's walking on water. This is amazing. And then he gets a bit more choppy, and then he looks at the wind, and he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he starts to sink. And immediately, Jesus catches him and saves him. And then he says these words. And I think these words are really harsh. Oh, ye of little faith... Why did you doubt? Now, this man has just walked on water. And Jesus is saying, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? I mean, come on. If you were mentoring anybody, if you were helping somebody, you'd be going, good start. A very good start there. You've done a few steps. <laughs> you, now, next time, we'll do a little bit more, maybe. Do you know what I mean? And he's straight down with a slam dunk. Oh, come on. You could have done that. 
But if you actually examine it in the Greek, what he's saying is, why did you stop believing? Not, oh, you've not got enough faith. Not, you're not there enough. You've not worked your faith up high enough yet. He says to him, why did you stop believing? You were believing. It was already the impossible that you were doing. You were already doing something that was completely and utterly not possible. Why did you stop? What happened? And he's trying to evoke from Peter that reaction of, well, you know, actually, I didn't realize. Maybe there is more than I can do. I think it's harsh still when I look at it. But um, the point is, when Peter's eyes were fixed on Jesus, get your, heart, get your handle on this. When Peter's eyes were fixed on Jesus, he was filled with faith. All right? When Peter's eyes were fixed on Jesus, he could walk over stormy seas. He could have the faith to continue in spite of his circumstances. But when he took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink. He started to go under the water. He started to go under his circumstances. And it was that connection by fixing his eyes on Jesus that kept on filling him with faith, filling him with the possibility that this was real, filling him with the possibility that God cared, filling him with that truth, with that trust that God would catch him. God would still be there for him. So fixing your eyes, for those who are going to fix my eyes on Jesus, what, what does that mean? Fixing your eyes on Jesus can mean a whole lot of things, but it really, in a nutshell, it's as we enjoy relationship with him as we seek him, as we open our hearts to him, as we receive his presence. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12, 2. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And there it was in action. As he fixed his eyes on Jesus, when he was walking on water, Jesus was perfecting his faith. Again and again, step by step by step. So as we center our thoughts, as we center our minds on him, more and more our faith is growing. More and more our faith is deepening. Now it's by faith that the kingdom of God comes on the earth. It is by faith that we see things change. It's by faith that the world is impacted around us. Do you know if we never engage our faith, we never engage that truth, that trust in God, and nothing is going to change. All right? Sorry to drop that bombshell. But nothing ever would. If we never had faith in Jesus' death on the cross for us, we would not have. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be saved. That's happened. Jesus died on the cross that we could have forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross that we could be brought into an eternal and wonderful relationship with him. That has happened. That is yours for keeps. But if we never engaged our faith, if we never trusted that, then we would never have accessed that. Amen? Yeah. That's how we get hold of it. That's how we get hold of the blessing of our salvation. We go, yeah, that's the truth. And it's how we do everything else. Just as you started in the faith, so continue in it, Paul writes. There is this whole concept of that's who, that's how we begin in faith, and that's how we walk in faith. We continue to walk in the same direction. If Abraham had never believed, it, sorry, it's the teacher in me. I spot people. <laughs> Anyone messing around? I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. 
if, if Abraham, sorry, I can't help it. It's 20 years of teaching. You just stop, you spot the naughty ones. Um, I'm gonna, I'm not, I won't send you out the room. It's all right. <laughs> um, if Abraham had never believed, there would be no Isaac. That makes sense? Yeah. There would have been no Israel at the end of it. If the Israelites' priests had never put their feet into the water, would the waters have stopped? No. There's a whole concept of the kingdom of God comes as we trust, comes as we believe, comes as we have faith in so many different ways. As we engage our faith, as we trust, and as we choose to trust, God's kingdom power flows through our lives. And it flows into other people's lives in us and through us. So all the communities, all the people you know, benefit from you trusting in God. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good message, isn't it? Just that. You can just have that one there. All right. It's only because we choose to believe this that people's lives are blessed around you. And this really, really, really crucial. So where is it in your life that you've been waiting a long time for God to move? Consider it for yourself personally right now. Where is it that you've been waiting a long time for God to move? And maybe it's years, and nothing is happening. Nothing looks like it's changing. Where is it you're needing a breakthrough? Where is it that you're needing a change in your life or in your loved one's life? Where is it that you are looking at people's lives around you that you care about or things in your own world? And on the surface, it appears that nothing's changing or even going backwards. Looking more impossible. And the faith can get frail. God is saying to you today to hold on. To not give up. To persevere. The promises of God come through faith and Perseverance. Amen? And as a church, what are we believing for? We're believing that this is a house of salvation, of restoration, of healing, souls returning to Jesus, a house where disciples are made and go out and impact the world. Amen? Yeah? Pray it, declare it, and let's see our world changing. Let's change our own thinking on it. Let's see people being renewed. Does he desire souls to be saved? Does God desire souls to be saved? Yes. yes. Okay. That's an easy question, isn't it? Yeah, I hope it's an easy question anyway. All right. So see this place full of people coming back. See people getting discipled, getting baptized. We started to see a few years, a few years, a few years and years and years. Let's go back. Let's rewind. For, for a long time, I've been seeing nothing happen. Um, and, and it's been an interesting one and I, it, where you, I've really struggled because I've been thinking nothing seems to be changing, nothing seems to be happening, nothing seems to be taking place. I'm not seeing people get saved. I'm not seeing those people, you know, I've seen people getting discipled, I've seen people being uh, restored, but I wasn't seeing people get saved and it was a real bugbear for years. And then the start of this year, we've had 30 pe- over 30 people now return to Jesus or have our first-time commitments. And half, about half of those are first-time commitments, which is amazing. And it started this, just this year. started with the Alpha Course, where we saw, where we saw a fair few come in the Alpha Course. 
And then uh, Easter Sunday was the real milestone where after that it was decision after decision after decision. People just deciding to become Christians. People just saying for the first time, I'd like to give my life to Jesus. This is amazing. For years, I saw nothing. And Jesus had said years back, this, just, this is the, what to hold on to. This will be a house of salvation. But it gets a bit tiring after a while when you see nothing. And you keep saying, oh, God, you know, I keep praying and, and all the rest of it, and nothing changes. And then all of a sudden, God starts moving. That's exciting. But it, we, that's the end story, isn't it? And a lot of the time, we're still in the middle. We're still in the bit where we're holding on. We're still in the bit where we're, 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 we're hoping that he's going to move rather than believing and seeing. Well, we can believe but not see. I get that. But that's what we want. We want to see baptisms. We started to see a load of baptisms at the start of the year. That was great with nine people getting baptized. Um, marriage is restored. Church is being planted out there. To see people coming in from the local community and connecting with Jesus. And that has been happening more and more and more. And that's been brilliant. There's a light. John 4, 34 has um, been a, a go-to verse for me for a while. This is when um, Jesus is out with his disciples. Um, he says the following. Um, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The harvest already, it, it, uh, the fields rather, are already ripe for harvest. He's basically saying at that point, you are not seeing anything I know in the physical, but believe. Sometimes it doesn't look like people are ready for the gospel. Sometimes it doesn't, you don't feel like people are curious. Sometimes you might not feel like people are wanting to know about this God. But there is a greater degree of curiosity for church and Jesus right now than there ever has been for years. And that's exciting. That's just statistics. That's not even faith. There is something happening where people are getting more and more inquisitive about God, more and more inquisitive about Jesus, more and more inquisitive about what it's all about. The vast majority of people, interesting statistic I read this week, um, I think it's about 70%, if you invited them to church, if they were invited to church by a friend, would come. 70% is a big number. Think about that for a minute. I'm not preaching faith now, I'm preaching stats. All right? But that's a big number of people that would be going, all right, let's try it out. You go, I'll try it out. I'll just try it. There's nothing wrong with saying you're welcome to come. There's nothing wrong with just discussing where they're at with them and asking them what they believe. There's, there's nothing wrong with those things. People are welcome to these conversations, much more open to those conversations these days. So pray for salvations. Prophesy into the atmosphere. See things change because that's what God wants. Yes? Good. I believe that God wants to move powerfully again and again and again. I believe that he wants to change people's lives again and again and again, that that's what he's in the business for, in making things good, in making things new, in making things fresh, in changing our lives from the old to the new, in changing us from where things have been wrong and battered into being restored and healed and made right. Amen? Okay, and now is the kind of thing that God's in the business of. It always was. When Jesus entered onto the planet, that's what he did. Immediately, he started making, he started casting out demons. He started healing people. He started preaching freedom to people and got people in a far, far better place than they were on an eternal basis, not just on a temporary basis. So this is what to expect. So let's be available to Jesus as we go about our day-to-day -day lives, as we intentionally build community. I keep saying it, I know. 
But it means something. It's important. It's the vision of our church, and it's important because intentionally building community is where we go out, and it's where we make a difference in the people that we meet with. It's where we, the intentional bit, is where we take Jesus to them. It's where we demonstrate the love of Jesus, and it's where we declare the love of Jesus into the people that we know. Yep. It's not just a catchphrase. It's, it's a really important thing to be thinking of. Effectively, it's just a new way of thinking about the Great Commission in one respect. But it's building community. God was saying this all the way through for the last few months. It's been, there's a, I had, I had a, a blood test the other day, and the nurse I met said she's never known ever in all the time that she's worked as a nurse people being so lonely. That's the reality of life right now. People are lonely, and people want to connect to a community. People want to connect, and if they have to belong before they believe, then so be it. That's a good thing. It's a very, very good thing that people get involved and just be with us and enjoy our community and enjoy that, and then bit by bit, they find out why Jesus is so amazing. Amen? Good. So, Key takeaway points. If you've fallen asleep, this is where you wake up again and you can sound like you really were listening. So if you shake my hand at the end and say, what a really good preacher, just remember this bit now. All right? Um, our faith is not a quick fix. It's for the journey. So let's trust, let's engage, and let's see shift happen for the kingdom of God. Jesus' death is the most amazing event and resurrection because it brings to us an eternal relationship with God. It brings to us that freedom from sin, of guilt, of shame, things that we have done in the past which we don't want to ever repeat. Things that we want to say goodbye to. And it brings power. The cross brings power to live a life of goodness, a life of love, a life of righteousness, a life with it which is full of hope, a life which is full of an amazing future. And to embrace a wonderful relationship with God that lasts into eternity. A relationship that does bring a new peace, a new hope, and a new joy into our lives. Where we can go through really, really difficult times still with a supernatural strength that certainly doesn't come from us. And in a moment, I am going to pray. And you may find yourself in one of three categories. And I would ask at this particular point that... Every head is bowed as I go through these three categories. So number one is that you don't know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. And you've never been a Christian, but you would like to make this day to day where you begin your relationship with him. Secondly, category two is where you used to walk with Jesus and you would like to reconnect with him today like today to be a day where you recommit your life to him. And the category number three is that you're not sure of your salvation. You're not sure that at the end of your life you will be going to heaven and you desire the certainty that Jesus offers. Now if you relate to any of those three, then please pray along with me now and repeat these words out of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I believe 
you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me for all my wrongdoing. Receive me as your child. I commit my life to you now. Amen.